Welcome to the Blended Creole Podcast. I'm Liz. I'm Jay. And this is actually a snippet before we um, play for you guys a episode that we recorded a few weeks ago, shortly after the Capitol riot. Um, and we've had some time to reflect and we purposely held on to that episode because it is a pretty raw and unfiltered uh, episode about how we felt, especially at that moment, um, and probably still today, about what's happening and has happened within our country as it relates to the rising racial tension, um, the continued uh, bias with policing, um, and just even bias in the media. Um, I know right now there is uh, definitely not even debate but clear bias in the media as uh this recent case about a uh white football player hasn't received much press uh compared to how uh you know minority athletes are treated when they are um involved in any sort of incident that involves the police and people have been pretty mute on this particular player um which honestly continues to reiterate that there is a bias in policing but we just wanted to take a moment um so if you have any sensitivities to any racial issues we definitely advise you this is probably not the podcast for you to listen to uh jay and i have strong opinions um about where we stand so jay how do you feel uh even though this is a little different than what we normally uh, would would speak about we just feel like it's important to highlight those issues that Liz just just mentioned. Um, how I feel, uh, it it'd be expressed during a podcast. But uh, you get past the the past, you become numb to some of the activities that that you continuously see. Um, the way the media the way the media portrays African Americans or minorities um, differently than uh, than our white and our white, our white individuals um, continuously seeing the vivid images of police brutality, um, even to even towards children. Um, so these these images don't just go away. Um, they reside with us and, and are impactful. And we have a, we have a son. Um, and unfortunately, we have to have those conversations um, that now have been labeled the black conversations or the minority conversations with him. Um, so this episode is, you know, just to let some of those feelings out. Um, again, it's it's recorded. I think a couple of days after January sixth, right. um, but we decided to put it out now. Um, we hope you guys enjoy it, um, and even for those that may be sensitive to racial topics or racial issues, it might be. Uh, we recommend that you do listen. Um, you might you might. Um, get some insight onto how um, some African-Americans view um, certain things that are happening. Um, Which is important. I've had some friends who are white reach out and ask, um, even recently, how did I feel about the Capitol riot? And, you know, honestly, sometimes it's an uncomfortable conversation, uh, but these conversations need to be had, and hopefully our podcast will spark um, maybe just even a conversation um, in your household and also hopefully put a dip, a perspective maybe in your mind that, you know, 
put the shoe on the other foot. If white Americans were treated as black Americans are treated, you know. And it, it's, it's, a, it's a good listen. Um, we hope you guys enjoy it. Um, take something from it. Um, it. It's a mix of emotions of um, anger, frustration, a um, little bit of laughter, a um, little bit of cynicism. And, you know, we hope you guys enjoy. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Blended Creole Podcast, where we discuss two lives. Southern and Haitian roots. Join us as we talk about family, investing, and seeing the world. While learning about how we tackled blending our lives. From our finances and redefining our relationship with debt. To our Insta family. Welcome to the Blended Creole Podcast. I'm Jay. And I'm Liz. So, welcome to the Blended Creole Podcast. Uh, I'm Liz. I'm Jay. And today is actually a special episode for us. Um, It's not scripted, so, you know, forgive us for whatever foolery may take place. But um, based upon the recent events that have happened in this first week of January with the storming of the Capitol, um, I think Jay and I have had some reflective conversations about race, the tension that exists within this country, the underlying issues that have always existed. But I think um, understanding, you know, just how much seeing what happened on January 6th can impact your mental state. Um, It definitely feels like 2020 seeped into 2021, especially for the first week of the new year. Um, You know, you start the new year thinking that, you know, everybody gets in the perspective that things are going to be a little different as far as um, their own internal worlds and, you know, it's a a new for everybody else out there. But 2021 just started off with a bang. A serious bang. Um, And I think for us, too, you know, we talk about being public servants. So we do work for the government. um, On many levels. Yeah. So Jay is a veteran. Um, I come from a military family. Um, and we both have careers as public servants that, you know, there's definitely moments where you wake up wondering that the time and effort that you put into the work that you do that you feel, at least for me, I feel passionate about, you know, here it is. There's such a lack of respect um, because anyone can say that what happened on January 6th was clearly, you know, about um, stopping the still of the votes and whatever, you know, fake beliefs that someone may have about the election. But, you know, let's be honest, if that's the case, why did the Proud Boy leader decide to burn a flag out, a Black Lives Matter flag? Do you, if you want to protest the election, do you do that? But you don't have to have any sort of attacks against a movement that's at the fundamental for us as African-Americans about being respected and having um, equal treatment in this country. You know, the two things are not, they don't coincide together. They're not, you know, equal. It's a sad state of reality, but um, anybody that, that doesn't realize that there was an underlying theme um, behind that, behind those uh, riots or um, those domestic terrorists uh, invading the Capitol building, um, you know, there's nothing that will 
that will change their mind. So um, I don't think we're here to try to change anybody's mind. This is more like a venting session, I would say. Definitely. Um, I think therapeutic because Jay has seen me and I'll be honest, like uh, the morning after we went to work out and I definitely had a, a, a breakdown and not a, you know, I'm losing it and I'm a like sad i think it was honestly a flood of emotions every racial issue that i've ever encountered all those imprints of things that have been on my mind realizing that you know gosh this is (laughs) this is the place that i call home and this is the place that i serve and give so much of my time that i've sacrificed spent time away from my child to hopefully make this place a better place and protect the freedoms that people think that people are trying to shut down, but they're really not. Um, here it is, all those flood of emotions um, that and I had to sit down. And I come from a standpoint of, um, I'm surprised that this didn't happen sooner. Um, but Liz, <laughs> I tell you, I've been anticipating a civil war for um, a long time now. And I still think it's um, something more devastating that's coming. Um, but this time the impact came to uh, politicians and, and leaders uh, front steps and and they and they were taken aback by it, but um, I think I speak for a lot of citizens, and that you know this was expected with the way, the, with the tone, the tone of politicians, um, the past four years, and frankly, the past ten, fifteen years, um, the tone of individuals. Um, and I think it it went back to you know when President Barack Obama was in office, and that was kind of the you know not not the it was kind of the what lit the match to um a lot of these emotions um a lot of these emotions and thoughts and and, and feelings and people being why do you feel like it started then i feel like it started then because um as you know we know there's two different americas so one america saw it as oh we never thought we a lot of us thought we would never see a black president right right um and on the adverse side, a lot of us thought, a lot of them thought, or a lot of people thought that they would never see a black president. Right. If you understand what I'm saying. Exactly. Um, so once they see that, and then you start getting people saying that. You think see, people thought they were starting to lose control of their country? Lose when... control. And also, this, I don't think the system was built for individuals um, of uh, black black people to, to be up on that high of a pedestal. Um and I think just so having conversations with people, people really started to fear that they were losing something in this country. When I mean, I can remember vividly um, taking a um, a TDY trip, a temporary duty trip for those that don't know what that means, a temporary duty trip to Kansas. And I was with a with an older white gentleman. He was about 60, 70 years old. Um, and he was a firm, you know, a firm believer that. And he said this out of his mouth that <laughs> it's amazing how comfortable people are saying things. And it wasn't a, a racial conversation. It was just more of a conversation of the state of the, the, the United States. And he mentioned that um, in 10 years, the United States would be a Spanish speaking country. And that's what he feared. Um, and, and that was coming from a 70 year old um, <laughs> white man um, and in working in the military capacity. He wasn't in the military, but he was working in the military capacity. Um, so this is a government, somebody that works for the government and outwardly expressing that his fear is that um, his race will be wiped out <laughs> and that the language that he knows of America um, will just change, will not, <laughs> will not, you know, will not be in existence in the next coming in the next 10 years. 
So his fear is that, you know, his kids won't be able, you know, won't live some sort of. Some um, sort of what? They'll adapt. Just like we've had to adapt to America here. Like, hello. I understand. I'm I just, know you understand. That is the, that, that was, you know, and that's a small microcosm, right? That's not everybody. It's not, his thoughts are not inclusive of everybody, but it is inclusive of some. But and, clearly people fear minorities being in power as if that means they lose something as if they think that a minority being in power means that they won't also have the same rights that we're taking something away from them besides the fact that like we're here all living together paying the same taxes you know having to adhere to i mean probably not adhere to the same rules when it comes down Definitely to policing not adhere to the same rules. um but in the sense that like you don't you're not losing anything by having someone who doesn't look like you be in charge um and I think that's for us one of the things that I mean we've definitely seen. I've grown up seeing that. I can remember um, my father, you know, who served in the army, reviewing the military times for promotions, and clearly conversations about there's a quota about how many minorities would be promoted. So not that there is enough um, and qualified you know, minority officers serving in the army, but that you knew, oh, they're only going to promote a certain number because why? If you promote too many, then people start to get uncomfortable. Um, yet they have no concern about using us as their token black to uh, help try to increase any level of diversity. And that can come from watching my dad help uh when EEO or the equal opportunity was a thing starting out in the military, you know, who, of course, would you like to put in charge of it? You're not going to put in charge of that type of program. A white officer, we're going to pick a black officer to try to, you know, make headway in a space that people didn't necessarily believe needed to be created. Like people actually believe things were fine and they've never been fine. I mean, until the day that, that EEO position is, um, a predominantly a, a minority position, whether it be a woman, um, whether it be African American, whether it be any other minority, um, that position within the military, within the army, I would say, because that's the experience I, I've had, is that it's been predominantly of a, of some sort of minority. Um, and again, maybe the system is built that way um, for a reason, and only the, the individuals that run the system, <laughs> the system know why. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, those are the, the the individuals that normally take on those type of positions. That's who they that's who they uh, who, go that's after. That's who they that's think who will excel after. in those positions. Yet they don't realize that part of the change that needs to happen is more of white America needs to wake up to realize that their privilege gets them so much further than everyone else and that they can use their privilege to uplift others to make it an equal playing field. But the reality is people are comfortable where they're at. You know, you don't want to make it an equal playing field. Um, and that's always been true historically. When you look back at the history of things, you know, it's almost like you can't leave well enough alone. Um, and that unfounded fear that clearly surfaced um, very loudly on the 6th of January. So why, why do we even care about this, right? So the most, I think the most impactful part is um, watching um, C, um, watch as we channel surf through the news and we're watching exactly what's going on. And um, and you, you never think kids really see this stuff, right? But you know, I think his parents would probably be naive to think that they don't. But, you know, him asking questions like, um, 
why aren't they shooting them? Um, where are the rest of the cops that were there for the other protests throughout the year? Um, you know, where are we they? don't where? shield city. So we should say that very openly as a couple, we believe firmly in um, not raising him in a bubble because I think when you're raising kids, at least for us, um, you know, he's going to walk out into this world and see all of the ugly that can exist. Um, and not saying that we put him into the extremes of seeing everything, but we watch the news openly with him to be able to have conversations um, because it's important that as he's growing up, he understands. I mean, at this point for black families, I mean, they're selling kids books to tell us, to help us read to our kids about how to react to police. You know, as white families, that's not something that other than respect the cops is probably something that you tell a child, but you're not having to read a book about keeping your hands up, don't talk back, you know, ask for a lawyer, all these things that, you know, we have to think about already teaching our child. I mean, in the news recently, the jazz musician whose 14-year-old son was assaulted, you know, here's a child, you know, who, you know, people feel like, oh, it's no big deal to ask to show the phone. No, it is a big deal. You know, that was his phone. That was his property. And here it is that even the institution they were in that they were paying patrons to didn't decide to take care of them properly as guests. And here it is that we as parents, you know, if we decide to shield him from this, the worst thing that can ever happen is that he walks out and has an experience where we're not there to explain things and he's confused or he doesn't know how to react properly because the processing of that, I feel like long-term is far more damaging than trying to educate him now about, you know, what is happening in the world around him that he lives in. I think we definitely would be doing him a disservice if we shielded him from anything that's going on. Um, of course, certain things like his mind can't process, um, but, you know, I, I, shielding him from things is, is definitely not the answer. Um, so as things evolve um, and as things develop, whether it be in the news or social media, um, we pick and choose, not necessarily pick and choose, but we, we, we show we show him exactly what's going on. Um, we kind of rip the Band-Aid off. And, and we talk and to have, him about it. And have those discussions. Because, um, again, it's important. I, I, I can't say that enough that we definitely would be doing as a service because he's getting ready to go get into a teenage age and, and <laughs> it's unfortunate it, it'll be unfortunate if something happens and and as as parents we don't know how we would react um i have a feeling of how, how i would react <laughs> um you know I'm, I'm pretty confident in that feeling that i would react a certain way but um you don't you know. never want to get it to that point either and I think for us, like one of the things that we look at, too. So when he's asking these questions about, you know, why aren't they shooting them? Why do they treat black people differently? You know, for us, the root of the issue, yes, there's racial undertones and yes, there's, you know, white privilege to that. But for me, I feel like trying to explain white privilege to a nine year old is not the way to go. But C is very intelligent. So simply telling him there is a bias in policing, which is true. And he understands that a bias means simply that, you know, people are treated differently. And it's as simple as that. And when he's older and he wants to read and he wants to talk to us more about why is there a bias? What is the underlying issues behind the bias? We're happy to talk to him about that. But I think at his age, 
that there's just a difference in how people are policed because there is this bias that exists is enough for him to that's a that's a sufficient answer for him to walk away and then go back to playing Minecraft or whatever else he's into. Agreed. So specifically about those events, how how what do you what do you <laughs> <laughs> how do you feel how you when you watched it how what was going through your mind I, I know exactly what was going through my mind what was going through your mind when you watched it when you watched it initially and when you watched some of the the arrogance and the audacity of social media videos and um, commentary as it was of individuals that were actually there and you know I know my mind frame changed from wow that can't believe this is happening to oh this was this was a planned well these people know what they're doing this yeah is not, this is not there's no, no doubt in my mind that this was a set yeah. up situation that this was this was their intention and which makes me honestly really fearful for the inauguration um because i'm not really fearful i mean you're not okay jay and i have different views <laughs> on this whole type of situation jay i think would say let the place burn and then people will figure it out I, I would like the place not to burn to start let's say that I mean, um and more so because i know with any sort of escalation of what's happening now for us to process it is one thing because we know when it's coming you know look you know, there was a lot of social media posts about, hey, we're not saying you should shoot them. You know, we're saying that you shouldn't shoot us. I think we both can probably say we're in the extreme of potentially some people need to be shot for other people to really understand that policing is absolutely different. Like the hurt and the pain that we often, I feel like as the black community, we often have to turn the other cheek. So you don't want harm to come onto someone else. But sometimes you have to get through pain to understand as what's happening it always surprises me the amount of compassion um that some african-americans show um even in the midst of you know complete chaos um my dad's a great example yeah i mean like, <laughs> like we we love him to death but definitely that morning uh in the midst of tears working out you know i sent him a text message was like yo how could you have spent so much time serving a country that hates you so much like yo they really do hate us for nothing other than the fact that we do not look like them and it's not everyone so you know fine we're not stereotyping but how can you give back like we're protecting all those people who were storming the capital my dad has spent time in war zones serving this country for those freedoms for them to be able to act foolish like I'm sorry. And his response was like, you know, actually, let me look to say what this response was <laughs> verbatim. His response was, uh, su to me, surprising, but typical of an older African-American male that has um, lived through so many different eras of the right. of, of the United States, uh, worked, proudly served in the government. And, is and he should be proud. He's had a great career. Absolutely. But. But his response was, it's the country and idea and God that we serve. And so this. That's the bullshit I'm talking about right there. That's, <laughs> but it's not even the bullshit. But to see, especially when you're religious, um, that, you know, my father really views public service as an extension of serving God because we're supposed to stand up. And this is what he put. You're, someone has to stand up and take care of those less fortunate if not, the people that we saw storming the Capitol essentially win, which I agree with. Jay listen, has a I'm harder not, time I'm believing not, listen, that. I'm not going to get into a religious. Um, no, we're not uh, definitely not going down <laughs> this route. We're not going down that route. I grew up very religious. Um, but it seems convenient that though God, and not necessarily for your father, but um, 
God is thrown out of convenience in a lot in a lot at a lot of times. Um, you know, because it becomes contradictory. But we, like I said, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. But um, again, I can, I'm always surprised at the compassion that is shown for um, individuals that don't like you. And maybe I'm maybe it's part of my my heritage and my blood because I know we. My, yeah, the Haitian <laughs> blood. There's the Haitian, something different. I can care less. <laughs> I have never cared less about somebody that died like that. Lee. Like that, I, I has never. It was just like, okay, she oh, got well, shot. Like yeah. that's what happens when you, which is true. The capital, you yeah, get you, shot. You try to break that's into like a place a, you weren't supposed to be. So. It's like a typical thing. That's not like they said on paid in full. People die every day because like people like it's, it's just like I don't understand. I, I mean, but you. again, the levels of compassion that some people have, and I respect it. Listen, um, look, and I don't wish death on anyone. So like when you find out. Yeah, Jay's making a really funny face, but like when you know you found out, okay, oh, it sucks that yeah, she got shot and she died. Um, and then I think it was really disheartening once you learn more about her background. Here's a veteran, so I mean, you would also think you're just smart enough to realize there's other ways to protest that that did not have to be what it turned into. But f- to realize that, I mean, there were tons of people from all walks of life within that crowd. Then you have people losing their jobs, who hold senior positions. There were people, government officials out there marching Police with them. officers. And again, there's nothing wrong with, there, I don't think there was anything wrong with them going out there to protest. I mean, You they, should go they protest. They you felt like the election the was stolen from that, you. Yeah, had the pipe bombs laid out. Yes. Stormed the Capitol. All the things that are kind of quiet. You know, no one's really stressing that. There were pipe bombs found. Like, people did not come to play. That's alarming. And And they're not being labeled as terrorists. Let's not forget that, that the minute, you know, and it's so interesting in the, and I would say the media has a huge part of this too, is how people are portrayed in the media. And as we were watching it, you know, I think I told you, I said, what point do they go from protesters to terrorists or rioters? Like, it took a long time for that uh, distinction to be made. Between yeah, you know, for long, is protesters have just stormed the ca- no, no, no. They're not protesters storming the Capitol. That's not what a protest is. Um, so I think for me, it was disheartening, and it was it was a flood of emotions that day, right? So you go from trying to figure out what's happening, um, and it, you know, we're all we're all tied to our phone. So Jay knows, you know, I'm talking to different people that, you know, different friends about what's going on. And, you know, the reaction is interesting, too, to see how other people in your circle are reacting to what's going on. Um, So for me, I think, you know, eventually after a while, I had to take a break from talking to uh, very many people, honestly. I think right now I'm down to talking to Jay C., and like a really, really close girlfriend who uh, she's white. And I would say like, I love her to death. She's like a cousin, her and her husband. But like, we, we literally have a chat where we, because we're so close, um, our friendship is so close that like, you can, I can ask a question like, why do white people do this? And she can ask me like, what, what does that mean? And you're, and I think like, there's very few friends that you can have that type of open, honest dialogue with that I cherish the friendship that I have with her and that like she's one of the few people that I feel okay, especially someone who's white, I feel okay with having racial conversations with and being vulnerable around. Um, but she's also someone who like right now is reading about Thurgood Marshall. Like 
she doesn't have to do that. She has, doesn't have to try to further educate herself about what was happening in the black community and how that has influenced things. But she gets it that, you know, oh, my gosh, these people are doing this because they're white. Like, this makes her sick. And I know that truly does make her sick compared to, I would say, other friends that I have that are white where you're just like, OK, this may just be a moment snapshot of inconvenience or you might be embarrassed right now, but you don't necessarily take the steps to be proactive, to educate yourself, to um, understand what your privilege brings, um, but also use that to help empower others who don't look like you. And on inverse with me, um, the conversations I have with my friends is like, okay. <laughs> it's always like, there's no surprise. It's like, okay, yeah. It wasn't is, surprising. It's just, just like, all right, this... I mean, it's just what it is. Well, I think for me, it wasn't surprising. I think I was more surprised that in some of the conversations I had that other people were surprised that this happened. And I'm like, yo, this is, yo, there's a reason why Jay and I went out to buy guns in the past six months. Like, we we, we went out to buy the guns. It was, oh, it was unbelievable. And lines of people purchasing guns. There's a shortage of ammunition. So, you know, this has been brewing. And there for... were comments too, right? Because there was like a speckle of minorities oh, yeah. in this whole situation, right? Jay, don't that forget was, this. That was hilarious. Where an older white man was like, what are they buying all these guns for? What do they think's going to happen? I I'm told thinking, him the same reason you buy. Like, the reason why you in line too. What you doing here? Same like, reason you buying them. Get out of here. So all of a sudden, like you see us in line and you wondering why we're, what are you stockpiling we're, for? We're getting prepared too. Don't, so don't worry. <laughs> what do you think's going on? You know, and I think for us we definitely are in a place i will say um and that you just realize not only did this boil over for the country but depending on who you are and how much you paid attention to this um you know it definitely scratched the surface of probably some painful memories for others out there um, so yeah, so the breakdown in the gym was definitely a, I mean, I can think of almost every emotion that was going through my mind that started the tears flowing from the very first racial joke, um, that I ever heard that, you know, I'm sure there were other racial jokes around me, but just thinking, uh, being in sixth grade and we had recently moved to Virginia and a peer of mine made a joke about, well, how does a black man do the Macarena? And, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, how? And he's like, oh, doing the Macarena. Did... And then he puts his arms around his, behind his back as if he's being arrested. Wow. I lost my shit. It was the one time I had been suspended um, for fighting because I was so irate that, you like. Were fighting? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were fighting? We got a little hot blood in us. <laughs> but, like. I was pissed because I was like, my dad's never been arrested. My brother has never been arrested. What type of... I was in sixth grade. But then you think about this now, too. This is one of the things I reflected on thinking of that memory. Social media didn't exist then. Mm -hmm. That means someone in your household, you heard, made that joke joke and thought it was funny to share. And you thought you could do it in front of black people. And you thought you could... (laughs) And granted... All the classes I've ever been in, because I was in yeah, honors were, classes, yeah. yeah, Jay will tell you, you know, I was, you know, this is why I went to a historically black 
university was because I did want to be embraced around our people was because I'd been in honors classes. And so we're normally a dot in the honors classes. You're surrounded by, you know, peers who don't look like you and there's very few of us. But the fact that, you know, here it is, some kid who's in sixth grade, A, decided to retell the joke, but B, now looking back at it, like someone in your household, someone that you've been around has made this joke. And that's the issue right there, right? You're raising your kids to already feel like those things are funny or whatever other undertones that are happening in your household. Um, And even thinking, you know, memories of, you know, this whole thing goes back to, you know, uh, President Barack Obama being in such a position of leadership. There's always issues with us being in positions of leadership. Oh man, it's so a, yeah, I've, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got to be better than everybody else. So you can't be mediocre. You have so to perform. You have always have to perform better. There's a, it's a, it's a pressure, and then there's also a pressure of you know not being too difficult on your your own peers, like right. your African American peers, right? Um, you know, leading troops overseas. Um, you have to deal with that as well, and then there's a there's there's so, so, so many facets of it, right? There's a the age factor. Like I was <laughs> I was young when I did it, so I was 25, 26 um, when I took a a group of grown men um, to to essentially fight a war, right? Uh, and the between the emotions and and the um, I've never I never felt the the uh the racial undertones within the within the group the group that i had specifically i know it was there but uh, you know it was never brought up to me as as the as the commander of the unit um uh, but it was definitely brought up uh amongst other commanders that were in, within my um within my brigade so you know those those are things those are issues you just have to deal with um and you just got to push through it and, and as liz was saying you have to perform better you cannot be mediocre no um and i can't stress that stress that enough um and as and Liz will tell you, I try to be. I'm very, very hard on on C. C. Um, <laughs> like maybe a little too. Nah, I'm, I won't say too. He hard. will never no. say he's too it's hard. Not, it's not too hard. But he pushes him. He definitely pushes um, him. And there's a there's a level of excellence that I feel like just be just being African American that you need to have. Um, and then you see it with individuals that 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 don't you know that don't feel that way, right? Um, you probably have peers or you know. I have probably have fears that maybe not take it seriously, but you're in those meetings that you know people are talking about them as if um, they can't perform. And, right, and I've you can it. you really can't defend it, right? You can't defend um, that behavior, but you know you try to go back and talk to them and tell them like, listen, um, you know it's got to be done better. And you can't say it's got to be done better because you're black and everybody else looks at you. Right, and it's a reflection on me or a reflection on everybody else, um, but. It's just, it's, is it unfair? Yes, it's unfair, but um, it's the way your performance it's level just has to be um, above par all the time. And that is that pressure? Yes, it is. Unfortunately, it is. Um, but life isn't, I was taught life isn't fair. It's and not. That's, and that's something that, that I'm definitely um, pushing down to to see that life, it will never be fair. Um, I don't think right. it'll ever be fair. I think, no. I think this this um, false equality that um, people, people are speak striving of or, for. Try, or, or are striving for. It's probably never going to happen. Um, I mean, honestly, not in my lifetime. Probably not in C's lifetime. But I think for the most part, like 
you know, equality is great, but at the end of the day, like, yo, we want to be able to live our best lives and not be messed with. So, you know, even thinking about now, like we're in a place where you can afford nicer things, but even when you start to buy nicer things, you realize people are looking at you differently, you know, or, you know, fearing that, okay, if you get a really nice car being pulled over and what, you know, someone could ask, especially like for C, like I would never want to buy him an expensive car because, you know, you don't want him to be uh, mistaken for someone who's stolen the car rather than someone saying, okay, maybe you just have a good life and your parents have set you up well. Um, there's so many different things that, you know, you there's so much thought that has to go into what we are decisions that we make that I think our white counterparts just don't have to think about. You can live your best life and do whatever you want. Your kids could be strung out on drugs and you send them to rehab and then everything's great. Our kids, you they dabble in any sort of drugs. You risk them being arrested, never being given a chance again, all those type of things. Whereas, you know, there's such a white past to life that you know, we just don't have that luxury. Um, and I think, you know, the leadership thing is real. Like no one more than I would say sometimes white men want to report to or have to listen to uh, someone who's a minority. Um, I've seen that with my father's career. I mean, literally someone sending around a cartoon of a gorilla or an ape asking with the comments of like, who put the ape in charge? Like, what type of bullshit is that? Like, I mean, A, you didn't qualify for the job that he got, but B, even if you felt that way, why not just keep it to yourself for you to feel okay with sending around offensive imagery that, you know, is so disrespectful to the person that you're working with, like, but yet, for us, it's often turned the other cheek, you know, oh, you know, they... Again, that level of compassion is, right. is thought to be, is, thought, is, is, what, is, is what they want to see. And the um, level of reprimand is just ridiculous. Often, it's a slap on the wrist. Ah, you know, don't do that again. No, you know, it's just beyond ridiculous. And that's part of where I think, not the equality, but taking things seriously has to change, is that when someone steps outside of the line... Um, with the racial undertones, making mistakes that are racially offensive and even sexist uh, as well. Like, no, you don't just get a slap on the wrist. You need, it's serious. It creates an environment and um, an undertone that makes people uncomfortable. Um, and it's just stupid and disrespectful, honestly. And now that you know, we're recording this on Sunday, um, some of the, the details have come out. I mean, is it a shock to you that um, some of the Capitol Police were involved in, in allowing some of the um, We've all seen the, the video of the, bar <laughs> of the barricades just, is you that, know. Is that a shock to you? I mean, I, 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 again, I still don't understand how it's a shock to some people that, you know, some, you know, cops or um, other individuals or government officials would have been a part of this entire thing. Yeah. Um, Actually, there was a really good, um, like, cartoon on, what is it? They call it characters or characters? Caricature. Y characters. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> on Instagram that I saw, that was. Damn Instagram. <laughs> um, I know. It'll get you. Um, 
basically uh, someone in a Ku Klux Klan outfit with the like infamous Marilyn Monroe pose as if the wind is blowing up and underneath it, you know, underneath the sheet was, you know, a uniform. And you're just like, of course, like that has not gone away. I mean, heck, there were pictures of what do you call it? Like a, a noose outside mm-hmm. the Capitol. A, how did someone have time to build that? And B, why wasn't it immediately taken you down? with that? Like, like here we go. And it's things like that, that like, that represents so much. And, you know, in Los Angeles, there was a woman who yeah, was, you know, cornered because she flipped them off after them harassing her to take off her mask. Like, yo, if you're there to protest, protest whatever you're protesting about. Leave her alone if she's wearing her mask. Like, why do you feel the need to just bother? I think that's what it comes down to is like, you don't have to bother us. Like, leave us be. But we all know historically that's not possible. I mean, Tulsa is a great example mm-hmm. of Philadelphia is a great example. You can't let well enough be, a, you know, well enough be. Just relax. Like, you know, if we want to create things, it's taken from us. If you want to excel, then, you know, people want to investigate how did you do it because there's no possible way you could be this smart or all those things that you're just like, yo, why can't you just live your best life and you just mind your own damn business? Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's it's unfortunate, um, and I'm very interested in seeing the next um, couple of weeks up until inauguration, specifically these dates, to see um, how the events unfold. But I would um, urge people not to just forget about this or think that this was an anomaly. This is um, this, this is, is the, the world. State this of is the America. state of America that we live in. It's actually always been. It's just televised now. You know, they always said it's a revolution <laughs> would not be televised. This one is live and in color and on all news everybody's platforms face. and everybody sees it. Um, and and I, you know, I was never, not not a big fan of social media, but, you know, thank God for cameras. Like, seriously, they yeah. are. Because these things are everywhere and they are capturing everything. But also, let's speak to how comfortable people felt. Like, A, you're supposed to wear a mask anyway because there's a mask mandate because of COVID. Oh, yeah. Let's try to keep everyone safe. Mm-hmm. How many people were out there without masks on? That you just felt comfortable that you could just do you and cause that chaos and just think that like nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen to you. I mean, at the, like, up to this date now, they said it's about 50 people have been arrested. Um, being arrested is fine. Let's see what actually happens as far as individuals being charged and um, prosecuted. And and prosecuted. So that's, you know, that's a whole different, you know, we could talk about that another time but and at the end of the day we're all watching and this goes beyond just what happened with the protesters what's the next step for our current president you know people are talking about the 25th amendment like we're watching because this will be the greatest sign of sweeping something underneath the rug which is always what happens in any sort of instance with racial undertones it's swept underneath the rug all right you know let's just you know hopefully people will forget about it like no one should forget what happened no one should forget that you know people have thrived and people really stoked the fire with this and there has to be some level of accountability to show not only you know the people who decided to participate in those events on January 6th, but also to show the rest of America that we're making a serious change, but also the world to say that like, 
you know, we're not about to sweep underneath the rug people who broke the law. Like, you have to take action to that. And we'll see if we'll see if that's done. Um, hopefully, hopefully it is. But I mean, I'm not holding my breath, and I'm not confident. Neither am I. It, I'm not confident <laughs> that it will. And and if it does happen, yeah, keep that's, it moving. That's fine too. But um, you know, we will continue to do what we do um, as far as live our lives and 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 deal and work within this madness that you know we were born into. Exactly. <laughs> essentially. So um, you know, we navigate the way we navigate, and you know, if it has to come to us in front of. If it hasn't come in front of us, then you know we need to be prepared for it. Um, with whether that be prepared mentally, whether that be prepared with artillery, whether that be prepared with anything else, um, however way you feel like you need to be prepared, you should be. Um, and and just know that it it's it's not even as simple as you know January sixth was one thing, but like for everyone who saw that, realize that like we deal with you know, racial issues every day. I mean, yesterday we went to practice, sports practice for C. And here it is, when in the morning, everything's great. You know, sitting at the table, talking to one of the co-owners, nothing said about us sitting at a table together. Go back at in the evening time and this white young man is like, oh, you can't sit at the table together. Well, why? Well, COVID, you know, you have to be six feet apart. And we're looking like, okay, we sleep in a bed together. We share a whole lot more than this table. Why can't we sit at a table together? I'm sure that whoever gave you this guidance didn't want parents from different families sitting together at the table for safety reasons. But there was a back and forth exchange for a good, you know, four to five minutes before he backed down. And, you know, literally to the point where, you know, we're having to say, you know, I told him, I said, look, we were here this morning sitting across from the co-owner of this company. And he said nothing to us about sitting at a table together. Like, I'm sure what you, what your boss meant to tell you is please don't allow, which we do see a lot of parents uh, come and they come sit together. Um, that's what they were trying to prevent was a whole bunch of parents from different households sitting together because yes, we shouldn't be sitting together with other people from households. Um, but less than 10 minutes later, two, a white man and a white woman come in. They're not married. It's very obvious as they have conversations and they're catching up and seeing what John and Susan's doing and everything, whatever. <laughs> but that they weren't in the same household. And this kid said nothing to them, nothing to them at all. And, you know, I tell Jay, that I'm at a place where, you know, if you ever see tears running down my face, it's not because I'm sad. It's because I'm mad as hell that I cannot lash out because I will be the angry black woman to cuss your ass out that you sat here and went back and forth at a husband and wife sitting at a table. And then afterwards, it's like, oh, you're C's parents? What the hell does that have to do with anything? Well, I, as if that makes it better that you I, helped our child like last week. Get out of here! I did pull him to the side and, and, and have a and have a conversation. Um, yeah, I, yeah, we'll keep it at that. But um, pulled him to the side and have the con and had a, another conversation um, just because you know I felt like it was because the bullshit I felt like it was necessary. Um, and if, so, yeah. But it's things gotta, like that. Like every day, you have to be prepared that like either you're just gonna be like not today i really don't feel like dealing with this nonsense 
or, you know, as Jay did, decided to go and confront it to say something to him. But, you know, oftentimes you're just like. <laughs> and why did I do that? Right. Um, part of it is because, you know, I, felt, I, I saw that it, it upset you a little bit because, um, I mean, I was on the phone when the thing was happening. So, you know, and I heard what you said, but, um, you know, and it, it, it upset you. And it, it was just like I, I, for me to understand what what you know what pose what made you so comfortable like what <laughs> i asked him like what made you so comfortable to to say to even speak to us because you, <laughs> you didn't speak to you didn't speak to any of the families and you know um again we had we had another 10 minute five 10 minute conversation separately but um yeah i, I felt like it was appropriate to address it um so but I yeah did. that's kind of the state of america every day you know, and you know, unfortunately, you have to be ready and built for and be ready for confrontation, right? Um, however it comes, whether it's because um, these things are not going to stop happening. Uh, what's what's the new word? Karens. They oh gosh. They won't, they won't stop. Um, those incidents will not will not happen. Will not stop happening. And um, I, I think we don't need to be afraid of confrontation. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of and a also, change. And it's a you know. Of course, the cops can be called and things like that, but you know it's, it is going to come to a point where I mean it's happened. The conversations with them are going to have to, you know, you're going to have to be ready to embrace. You have to be ready to check well. people. I think at this point, yeah, I mean, because that's it's not going to stop until until that happens. Um, I'm not saying anybody has to get violent. No, you just have to politely tell someone to mind their own business. So that's unfortunate. Is the reality that we that we live in and that we have to face and right, and that gets you know. tiring. I think that's another thing that like for those out there, our uh, our white friends and colleagues and uh, people out there, like yo, Listeners. if you see something being done to someone who's a minority, just imagine how taxing it is on them to always have to speak up for themselves. That having someone else speak up against what you clearly see is not right is huge because just think of how many encounters we have to deal with on our own that we have to speak up for and we're capable of speaking up for ourselves but also it's a different impact you know because I, I tell Jay this all the time you know we speak up oh you're just being sensitive you're being sensitive it's just it's, you know, it's, it, wasn't, it wasn't like that. There were no racial undertones to that. But when someone that looks like them calls someone out, a Karen out to say, yo, you, you cross the line, that's absolutely not appropriate, it has a different impact. And I think that's sometimes that, you know, that's when people say for us, you know, we, we don't expect people to um, have the same experiences as us. But we do think that, at least for me, I think there is a huge weight that it carries that when you know you stand from a place of privilege and you can use that to help other people who are being wronged, that's where you can have an impact. So no one's telling you to get uncomfortable, to um, change your way of life, or to give up all you have to try to make someone else equal uplift somebody else help somebody else out when you see something is not right because oftentimes what happens is people don't say shit people just sit back and they yeah, watch true. it and then you know what is ironic though is what happened is behind closed doors after you've had to 
defend yourself, you hear the, oh, yeah, you know, that wasn't really right. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, hell, you if you didn't think it was right when it was happening, why, why the hell didn't you say didn't something? You say something? Yeah. And I've seen that happen at work. Uh, you know, having to speak up when you see that someone's not being treated fairly and having someone sit back who doesn't say anything until later. And it's like, you know, we don't always have to be the voice of courage to speak up when we see someone not being treated fairly. You know, when you see something that's not right, speak up. So on that note, um, again, we are all watching closely to see um, what happens with uh, and with the inauguration. Um, our new our new president and uh, Madam Vice President will be inaugurated on the twentieth of January. Um, it's gonna be an interesting couple of was it Probably ten days. Twenty twenty one is gonna be interesting year. Yeah, I think this whole twenty twenty this whole twenty twenty is gone thing. And just, it just seeped into twenty twenty one. I think <laughs> <laughs> they twenty just listen. Our, Life our, is gonna continue to roll as it has been, as it always has. Um, it seems like oh, every generation of black people have gone through something. So yeah, uh, I think this is just you know just 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 what we're dealing with until you know we. I don't think it'll ever stop, but it, <laughs> until, <laughs> until, until it slows down. But um, you know, I, I think this was this podcast episode was just a sort of like a vent session for us. Let's yeah, say. I think it's therapeutic uh, to be able to talk about talk, it, get it off about, our chest. I think it's important to talk about the details that happened and. Um, and how it's impacting you know, the the raising of our son and um, impacting us too. Impacting us, well, not me really. I don't <laughs> Jay <laughs> is so full of it. He, <laughs> I'm not even going there with him, but yes, he's had moments. But anyways, have I have I had moments? Ha, yes, you have had moments. Let's not have, be up on this podcast or, and act or like more moments have I had. Tell me seriously, you have not have. had racial issues oh no no no, no oh okay no, no, okay no, no. okay i was about to say them. like no, let's no, not no. do that I've, I've had those moments oh the, the funny this just this, <laughs> this just happened and now <laughs> i didn't i didn't tell liz about this for i didn't tell Liz. i don't know why liz, i didn't tell her i hear about things way late if at all because jay is a bottler so if you are married to a bottler or you love a bottler understand they be going through stuff and they just keep it to themselves until sometimes mm. They can't take it anymore, so, and that bottle cap explodes. Anyway, so I'm in the Midwest. I'm in the Midwest um, almost, almost, this is a, not even two, three, this is three months ago, three, four months ago. I'm in the Midwest, um, and we have a, ter- it was like a terrible tornado, power outage for like six days or whatever. So, um, and individ- for the individuals that are listening that understand the uh, the government, not necessarily the, the military structure of, you know, there's a rank in, you know, um, I'm, I'm a certain rank and uh, I'm still officer, but still a certain rank. And then there's officers above me or whatever. So it's certain ways that you have to address them. That's just the, the military culture and um, the, the, the uh, military courtesy that you show to um, a, a high officer of higher rank. Um, so I'm having a, you know, going through a power outage and we're having one of our meetings, our, our morning meetings. And, you know, we're, you know, the entire city is, is slowly getting power back up and certain sections just don't have, aren't getting any power um and um we still having to go to work though so we going to work and and having our week our weekly meetings and after the weekly meeting uh, uh a lieutenant colonel comes up to me and he you know he makes a joke that um have i been staying with all my oh your baby mamas <laughs> i remember my, that one oh my baby mamas <laughs> I'm look like, <laughs> there have been many midwest <laughs> incidents of racial issues that jay has had to deal with but i remember the baby mama so bullshit i'm like 
I'm like, what the fuck you just say to me? <laughs> and of course, you know, I cursed at him. Yeah, I, I, I did lose my military bearing then, but so what? So what? Still, because he was like, disrespectful was like, at that point. Like, what the fuck you just say to me? I was like, and and then I I caught myself. I was like, sir, I I, I do have a wife. Like, um, <laughs> thank and you. And no, I don't have any baby mamas. Um, actually. This is my first child and my only child. And so, so he looked at me. He's like, "No, I didn't mean like." I was like, "Yeah, you made you made you a made joke. it like I that." Mean, you said you made a like joke. That. You was trying to be funny, and that shit was not funny. It's not. <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, I apologize." So, I mean, again, those little things happen. Like too damn comfortable. Yeah, I mean, maybe it could be he was too comfortable. I think he was too comfortable because we've had we we've we've been to different TDYs and trainings together. And but why is know, that even a funny joke though? That's not even funny. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it, it, I didn't think it was funny. So, you know, again, having to address it right then and there. But um, anyway. I guess we had to leave that podcast because we had to leave the podcast with that story because yeah. yeah, I made my I made my comment. But yeah, I, I have had my share of I had my share of racial run-ins with uh, yeah with, uh, the opposite race. <laughs> so well, that's it. But I think I handle it differently, right? Like yeah, I, I, like you said, I'm a bottler. Yeah, like some stuff. If I need to say it, I'll address it right then and there. Yeah. If I don't address it, it I may, because I know from a young age, I would stew on it. And I think we're similar. So I won't address everything until it hits, like, it has to hit a certain place where then I'm like, and I've done that, you know, but I also like to, like, put it in writing. So anyone out there, like, I definitely encourage you, if you had a work incident, put it in writing so you can clearly articulate what the problem was. And so it's documented as well. Um, I think a lot of times that's a way to really put someone on notice because if it's documented and it's written down, someone has to address and respond. Um, sometimes talking to someone, you could just tell they're going to give you a whole bunch of lip service. Oh, I didn't mean it that way. Yeah. I just, no, it's written down. It's documented for everybody to see. So, like, Listen, don't play. Last resort, just shoot them. What do you want? Jay, <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, y'all. Jay has this Listen, just ridiculousness. Listen, this is sooner or later, people. Jay, I'm not, let me, I'm not, yeah, please <laughs> don't, because people are gonna listen no, to the podcast and think them. that you're crazy. Don't shoot them. Jeez. <laughs> okay. Did we not just see what happens when you talk to people and then they decide to like listen to what you say and take it upon themselves yeah. to take action? Yeah, don't second, be like that guy. Podcast. We ain't got that many listeners yet. <laughs> don't be like that. <laughs> we ain't got that many listeners yet. But you know, listen, violence is. I'm not going to even say it. Anyway, violence. Say is, what's on your spirit. I was going to say violence is not the answer, but sometimes it is. Let's just, it, just violence is when it's appropriate to defend yourself. Defend we definitely yourself. believe in defending ourselves right. and our family. So on that note, we have definitely <laughs> gone off on a tangent. <laughs> but uh, I think this was a good, you know, bonus episode for us. So we hope you continue to tune in to the Blended Creole podcast uh, every week on Wednesdays for new episodes about how we're redefining our lives um and we'll get back to our regularly scheduled program <laughs> i'm talking comes. about finance family <laughs> debt and investing and how we're blending our lives um so thanks for tuning in hope you guys enjoyed it thank you for tuning in to the blended creole podcast always remember to stay firmly rooted in faith and dream as if you will live forever and live as if you will die tomorrow Thank you for listening and don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or anywhere else you enjoy listening to podcasts. Tune in next week to hear more.